Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Just Another Football Podcast. Now, a quick disclaimer before we get underway. Uh, there was supposed to be a podcast in between this one and the last one you heard uh, of the guys reviewing the round of 16 and a mistake by myself and no one else here unfortunately meant that podcast didn't reach you so feel free to direct your anger uh, in my direction but you know on, on to bigger and better things of course um, I'm joined as ever by Fergal, Ali and George so welcome back guys Hello, yeah. Yeah. hopefully Hello. this one sees the light yeah, let's yeah. hope this one sees you know, the light. You know, I was really annoyed because I got every single prediction spot on. That's why. And, 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 and yeah. now, it's, ah. now it's lost. And you every prediction I got absolutely spot on. You, and You know, oh, it's, we, it's, it's so annoying, Harry. We, oh, God. We, uh, we were sort of discussing amongst ourselves that we're going to leave it open to speculation for the viewers uh, why the podcast didn't in fact reach you. You can yeah. have whatever theories you want on that. Uh, run wild with it as far as I'm concerned because I deserve it for what, for what I've done so uh, anyway moving on um, another win for England England are through fantastic scenes I'll come to you in a minute George because we've only got you for a limited time tonight but Fergal I, I've got to start with you mate how are you doing how are you feeling <laughs> it is it's getting it's getting there it's it's slowly coming isn't it it's it's awful. Um, I'm not enjoying it. I thought Ukraine teased me a little bit. You know, you went one nil up, and I was like, "All oh, right." So that's what happens when you actually put Harry Kane in the box. Oh, right. Um, mm, and then, um, and then they had a little spell before half time. Genuinely, some nice link up plays yeah, Zinchenko yeah. at the heart of it. And I thought, oh, so, something's happening here. Oh, oh c- 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 you know, good spell in the uh, early on in the first half, but no. Hi Maguire, uh, another one of the Irish contingent that never was, um, it pops up with a header and uh, and yeah and that was the end of that really. Ukraine didn't really do much, but they did. They had a nice wee spell before half time and it really got my hopes up. And then just yeah, great performance by England. I'm really I'm getting. I've been worried for a long time, but you, I'm you not enjoying worried. it one you, bit. You really do look worried actually. After it's say. not good. No. It's it's if if if. England win the Euros in the same year Ireland have just lost to Luxembourg and are, <laughs> you know, in this turmoil. It's probably one of the worst sporting years of my life. You know, and uh, even though Chelsea have won Yeah, the I was going to say, like, you've watched your team win the Champions League, which I don't feel like I'm going to get in my lifetime. And you're sat here calling it one of the worst sporting years of your life. I mean, Christ. That, like... just, shows you, that just shows you my priorities in, yeah, in, in well, football. Clearly. Um, on to kind of a more positive take on that. I mean, to be fair, maybe not because obviously we know his uh, of his German uh, affiliation. But George, <laughs> uh, I'll come to you. Um, how are you feeling about about the Lions? It's looking pretty good for them. It's it's looking really good. Uh, and I tell you what, the centre of it is is Southgate. He's been absolutely spot on with mm. every single decision he's made this this tournament. I'm really impressed by him. I, I'm an affiliation. I'm, I'm gonna. I'll ignore it. I'll ignore <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, fantastic result. I mean, this is the first time where I really thought that 
we were consistently a goal threat rather than just like um relying on like a, a quite a quite a good moment from either Harry Kane and, and Sterling. Obviously we've dominated possession in, in previous games and dominated sort of the, the run of play, but we've not really looked very clinical or at least um we've not made too many key chances. But in this one we we were fantastic. Um fantastic to see a good amount of rotation as well. I think yeah. it was it was perfect subs subs at the perfect time. Like you know the 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 game before where he only brought, brought on Jack Grealish, uh, that that was the perfect sub and and the only sub they had to make. Uh, but in this game it was perfect to bring on a number of players in a number of positions to one protect players such as Phillips and Rice who've played a lot of games and also got a lot of bookings, which I mean uh, I believe if they got another one they would miss the semi final yeah, or they but... might get wiped. I'm not sure. No, but yeah, it's the only miss. one, yeah. the only sub I was disappointed not to see was Chilwell because he probably won't get a game now. Mm. Um, and I was like, I because he brought on Trippier at left back and took off Shaw. I was like, oh, really? It's like, it was like, I was like, I felt yeah, bad for Chilwell because he, like, Chilwell's literally done nothing wrong and and has been, has been brilliant. And it's like, just not to get uh, that one mm. appearance. And it's it, unless there's injuries, it's unlikely now you'll see him no, in, no, in, in, in the rest of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, yeah, the Champions League winners medal, but they can't get a single minute even no. when you're four and up. And and just he's, yeah, sorry, George, because he's stuck behind a very good left back. I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto the yeah. No, so, this is it. It's, it's, it's understandable, but if you're going to make subs and bring it on a left back and you're 4 0 up, it's like, oh, you could, you there was an easy time a to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, sorry, George, I cut you off there. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to go on to Luke Shaw. Okay, we can start with Luke Shaw. Um, I think he, yeah, he's a massive talking point yeah. from this game. Um, yeah, I mean, shoot, shoot your shot on it. What, what, what are you going for? Well, Ali and I were very critical in, in, in a Discord about um, which a lot of our viewers sort of occupy themselves on. Um, uh, <laughs> we were very critical of Luke Shaw in the first 15 minutes. And actually, his passing was genuinely really, really bad. Even his positioning was fairly poor. I think he got sometimes he got way too close to Sterling. Uh, he didn't really give himself out balls um, in terms of his own positioning, not, not other players, you know, providing them pass, you know, uh, good passages of uh, open spaces for him to pass the ball through, basically. Uh, but after that, oh wow, his his timing of his runs is actually genuinely really impressive. Yeah, I've never really pictured him. I've really never really pictured him as someone who's uh, fantastic, like um, uh, his mental sort of understanding of the game. But cl- clearly, it's come on fantastically. Uh, maybe that's the Jose effect, even though they don't particularly have a great relationship. Um, but yeah, it was great to see him, you know, arriving at the perfect time for overlaps for the for the uh, Harry Kane third goal, England goal, I think it was, or yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, and and he, you know, he's balls into the box. Uh, technically, again, technically, I wouldn't really put him down as like an exceptionally technical player. I would say Chilwell probably has that over him, but his balls into the box were sublime, even from the you know free kicks and the um, and the crosses that he did in the second half were were, were yeah. excellent. I was really impressed. His, his delivery is definitely a lot better than Chilwell's. Like for Chelsea, the, yeah. the like Ch- Chilwell is good going forward, but the amount of times that he, he gets into the positions that Shaw has in this tournament and then doesn't put in a good ball, he's um he's 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 Shaw's just showed why he's he's first choice and he's he's been really impressive. Um, it, and also, I, I, I didn't realise how chunky he is. I, I was going to say, yeah, so... Uh, 
Look, it's one it, of those... It, whenever you see the side profile of him, I'm like, oh, it's like, oh. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, he, he, he's not unfit, and you can't be to play no, modern football, and, and especially at fullback. Like, I think you have to be the fittest player on the pitch, or, like, certainly up yeah. there. Play as a modern fullback. And, like, he's... Because I, I sort of watched him earlier in the season, right, and this is kind of before he impressed me, and I thought, he's quite good, but he's not, like, getting up and down as much. Like, he's not bombing on. I was thinking he's not bombing on because he's not mobile enough. But it kind of seems like as the season's gone on, he's he's got his power back with his running, which is kind of what he had when he was at Southampton and before, obviously, the terrible injury he had. The the, the big thing with him is he was very good going forward. He was like, like, powerful. And when, when we're talking about him overlapping, like he, he he's very good at timing the runs and he's very good at getting into those positions to deliver. And like his improvement has been remarkable. If you consider the fact that he wasn't even in the squad until March, I think would, would have been the first squad he's been in in a number of years. Um, and now like he he's and and Chilwell was a good left back. Like we should put that in there. He he's a good left back. He's one of the best in the country, and he's ahead of him, which kind of I think tells you yeah a lot about his development as a player. And like you have to give Solskjaer credit for it because he was going nowhere under Mourinho. He was going absolutely mm-hmm. nowhere, and and since Solskjaer's come in, like he's definitely got a new lease of life, and and I think he's been really good in this tournament, like at both ends as well. Definitely, I think it is because Solskjaer utilizes strengths, um, and also it's why uh, his ability to bomb on and uh, and deliver crosses and do overlaps is why it was slightly disappointing in the Scotland game. Why, um, in terms of his positioning being very very deep, yeah. Uh, especially when Scotland are defending with on the sides with one player, and that's O'Donnell, who's not really you know the the, the best player offensively or defensively, just you know playing average to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that that particular game, it was uh, the fullback play was aggressively high against Germany. Fullback play was aggressively high, and uh, Luke Shaw definitely showed kind of what he can do best at his best ability um it's absolutely brilliant yeah i thought there's quite quite a lot of the the players that are uh for england have had a big redemption sort of arc to to their to their uh time leading up to this like uh, the stones and Maguire, uh kane has had this mini redemption arc and and (laughs) and like sterling uh, sterling sterling especially yeah. yeah Yeah. yeah, it's um and like it, it shows you the like the strong character and like probably I imagine a lot of them are um can you know define common ground with that with each other, uh, like they're very relatable with each other. They're all going through sort of similar paths, um. So yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a great squad and they're they're all coming into their their uh, prime at the moment. Hmm. Yeah, it's very well balanced. There's a lot to like about it at the moment, actually. Further, increasingly looks worried. <laughs> um, the, the, but what also, um, in terms of the the squad being the, the squad developing as much as it did, I'm really surprised by the amount of things we've seen from players that we hadn't seen before. The highlight of that, obviously, is uh, is Calvin Phillips playing a box to box role, which is. Uh, foreign to me because I'd never seen him play that. I know that was his previous role at uh, Leeds United before Bielsa came in. Yeah. But also, Raheem Sterling yesterday did something incredibly rare for him to do. Raheem Sterling is known for running in behind and trying to get the ball 
either hugging the touchline and uh, receiving diagonal balls or uh, receiving through balls through his running or just balls over the top. But yeah. what he was doing today is ball carrying and taking players on and playing a pass like a Messi-esque assist to uh, Harry Kane very early in the game. Pretty good. That pass alone took seven players out the game. We don't see that from Ryan Sterling very often. Tifo, uh, the uh, Tifo from the podcast, uh, they do a podcast every game game day um, after the game. Oh, we're doing need to plug it. I, yeah. I know, but what are you I do. We don't need to give them the time of the day. That's a good point, but I do uh, want to reference uh, them on this one because I thought it was particularly interesting. This type of assist from Sterling is one we've seen twice in three years. So it, it how how Southgate managed to get that out of Sterling, it's something you expect Jaden Sancho to do. And Sancho and Sterling were kind of swapping wings. Um, but the, the stuff that Southgate has managed to get out of this team is particularly impressive. Mm. Yeah, he, he uh, I thought his changes in this game were, were very intelligent. I think he, I think it always helps. So, like you've mentioned that, um, obviously Sterling's role in the first goal, it helps when you go 1 0 up inside four minutes. I think then you kind of assume control immediately. And it's, it's literally the perfect start. I, it once it England go that early, take get the goal that early, it's like it's very hard to see Ukraine. The way Tech yeah. has set up as well, it's, it's like you've managed every game that you've took the lead in perfectly. Mm. So against Ukraine, if unless Ukraine have taken the lead, it was very unlikely that they were gonna get get anything out. You of know it. what's funny? Like as much as like it ended up being a battering, I think you sort of mentioned at the start like they, they did threaten at least to cause us a few problems because there was an injury I think midway through the first half and they ended up going to a back four, and for about yeah. twenty minutes they. Caused a few problems. They had a, like a couple of half chances of some slot. I thought England were quite sloppy on the right side of the defence in the first half. Walker, and I think, Walker especially. Yeah, and I think it speaks to. I mean, it was really important Maguire's goal, obviously, but getting in at half time and just being able to shore that up a little bit and go again and get a goal straight away in the second half. It just meant that managing the game was a lot easier. If you score at the, the start of both halves, it immediately becomes an easier task. Um, but yeah. it's a big blo- it's a big blow for the for Ukraine as well. You know, like like you can imagine like you you're well up for a game and mm. then instantly pegged back and then second half you've had a good Lost spell. Oh come on, come yeah. on, boys! Yeah, momentum's gone. Then set piece, it's game over. Um, I, and, and yeah, I'm really enthused just on the set pieces because obviously they only scored two goals from this game. I'm enthused to see them. Like it, it was a big part of England's success at the last World Cup, and I'm not saying we have to be this kind of you know, Stoke City like putting balls into the box and it being our only way of scoring goals. But we have good good uh free kick and corner takers. I thought it was an excellent ball from Shaw, as you've said, and the corner yeah. from Mount for the fourth goal was a really good corner. And a good and we got good headers of the ball. And, you know, like in tighter games, like set pieces are important. You know, like at the last World Cup, France won the last World Cup and everyone talks about their free flowing attacking players. No one talks about the fact that they would like gridlocked against Belgium in a semi-final they end up winning it 1-0 because of a corner England are great at corners and good at free kicks and like so far in this tournament at least we, like we haven't seen them really threaten that much there's a, a header from Stones I think against Scotland which hit the post but apart from that they haven't been quite yeah. getting it right and it's encouraging for me to see them score from set pieces 
because I think we can be a huge threat from them. And in, in those tight games, like they, they could be they could be the difference between two sides. So do you think it's a do you think they're keeping their powder dry or do you think they're in the group stages or do you think it's just coincidence and they're just it's just because Harry Maguire's come back in the team and, and they're just hitting hitting the, the, the form with, the with set pieces. I think he's the best header of the ball we have. Um yes. I mean, like, given the shape of his head, yeah. <laughs> Southgate has admitted readily, like, how much they practice set pieces because I think he knows how important they are in knockout knockout games. Yeah. Um, so I think ideally, well, the stats bomb always talks about it, um, like, and how, like, the you know, like, the sort of free goals that a lot of teams aren't aren't using, mm. uh, and uh, and like, you know, very little input to work out a good set set piece routine. Uh, and it's um, it's not just about yeah. the the takers and the obviously headers of the ball. You've got players like Sancho Sterling and well, obviously wasn't playing, but players like Grealish who win so many fouls. Free kicks. Like, if yeah. you're not gonna yeah, free kicks, if you're not gonna take advantage of that, obviously Harry Kane's free kick was uh, win was a little bit dubious. It was quite soft, but we won't get into that. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, especially it was, yeah. it was it was a little bit soft, but even so, you know, you you've got someone like Grealish who who wins or fame yeah a lot infamous, of free kicks yeah yeah wins a lot of free kicks. Why wouldn't you try and sort of utilize that part of the game where, like like Fergal said, it's a free it's if you get it right, it's a free shot and goal within within what twelve yards of the you're probably close out, but you know twelve yards of the of the of the goal. Oh, so you really need to take advantage of those sort of things. Definitely. No, I think that, that, I think they're really important for England. Yeah, go on for you. That's that's my one of my hopes is that Denmark are quite strong with set pieces. That they are quite good in the air. They got the likes of Escar. So I'm hoping oh. that 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 He's side so of England. Nervous. He is so nervous. I, I'm I'm literally <laughs> picking I'm picking hairs in in England's. And I think the thing about Denmark, I think they Denmark can beat England, whether or not it happens or not. But I think that they have a good enough team that if the, if things fell into the right place, but yeah, if, yeah. England, if England turn up, then then I think it's, no, they're they're a good side. It, one of the things with Denmark, and maybe we'll talk about them in a bit. I suppose one of the things that's kind of like annoyed me, like kind of. I've looked at it and I thought, that's just not true. When people go, yeah, they're kind of harnessing the... They're galvanised by what's happened to Christian Eriksen and they're sort of using that to motivate them. Like, no, they're just a good side with yeah, quite a lot exactly. of good players. Like, I think I think that it's, it's the, the combo of the two. It though, might be a factor, it. but my point is, like, they're not... They're not complete minnows. Like a lot of no, a lot of no. people before the tournament thought they could do pretty well. Like, maybe not semi-finals. But I think people had them had them with Turkey because they both had similar draws. Yeah, I think Jim Wolcott yeah. um, said they do well. I, I don't yeah. Know. yeah, he did. He did. He called yeah. it. So it, because whatever, like your normal prediction in the uh, in the bracket, if you're doing that, it was always or most times it was going to be Denmark against Turkey in the round of yeah. sixteen, and then whoever wins that has an easy easy. They had path a decent path. final. Yeah, had a decent path to it. So mm. uh, I always uh, I back Turkey, of course. Uh, what the yeah, worst they're they're the worst tournament? Big mistake on that one. Yeah. Uh, but hey, the Denmark course. I Denmark definitely deserve it. I they do have a very good side. I think they are galvanized by um by that Christian Eriksen thing. The win against Russia is definitely emotionally filled. That that like, one I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think that and one it's of the, win... the three they've had is the one I would look at and say 
it was an emotional night. They were giving absolutely everything. Because, like, even if they won, they weren't guaranteed to go through. So, yeah. like, it was one of those where it was a bit of a free hit, go out there and just, like, go for it. But then Wales, they absolutely schooled. Like, that was just a battery, yeah. tactically. Yeah. And then I think they started the Czech Republic game really, really well. And, and in the second half, they had to hang on and suffer a little bit. But, it, again, it was, like, a good performance from a team that, you know, like, I know people said they could do well, but, like, they'll be feeling the pressure. Like, getting to a semi-final is, like, quite a big thing for them. Like, they're not going to do that very often. I know they've won the Euros and England haven't, but... Um... Can we talk about that assist? Yeah. Oh, my lord. That's the assist. Oh, That's... my lord. He's saucy, oh, man. man. Fuck Lovely. Me. He's... I dare I say... Dare I say it's probably the assist of the tournament because yeah, of the speed he was it's going be, at, and I, I and, can't think uh, of another one off the top of my head. Sterling's really pretty good. Sterling was pretty good, but no, it's not better than that. No, it's no, that was uh... one... <laughs> come on. <laughs> I can even well, mention that in the same in the same Look, sentence. Pretty good. It, well, it was, it was like it, it took it took out. It, it needs extraordinary vision. It took no, out no. seven players with it, but it's nowhere near. It's not the technique. Technique wise. Yeah, it was it was really good. I, mean, I actually think like a quick preview to the England demo. He is going to be a big problem for England. Like he he's there. He's a big with Kyle Walker's that performance. Song. If that yeah. carries on again, yeah. the, I just uh, I just want to like put a little thing. I, I would be looking at playing Saka, Trippier, or, or Trippier. You could play five at the back. Yeah. yeah, that's an option. But I'd look at giving that right side extra protection because I think that he's a big threat down that side. Yeah. So whether it's would... Saka, whether it's Trippier, I think you've got to give us protection down that right side because he, he's a huge danger. I think Southgate will definitely go five at the back to look to um, force Myla, uh, especially Myla, because he's probably one of their main attacking threats, to exactly. force him to have the ball deeper in, in his own half. Like uh, like he did with Gosens against Germany. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be definitely the plan, and I think he's going to go with Walker and Trippier again on the same side. Mm. I, I I think you've kind of touched on something there, and we'll get back to England for a second. With with Southgate is his ability and willingness to adapt based on the opposition, like the pragmatism yeah. we've seen throughout this yeah. tournament. So, it, you know, it was a four two three one in the groups, but then there was a three four three against Germany. Then it was the four two three one again, and you're sort of talking about how he could flip. And I totally agree; like it's definitely an option. D- and different players for different games, yeah, for, as well, it, it, the yeah, whole way like through. literally horses for courses. And like, it, yeah. it, like people take that as disrespectful. But when you have as many good players, like I, I was saying to someone a few days ago, that like, I think the biggest strength of this England side is apart from maybe a couple of positions, right? You can take one player out, replace them with another, and I don't think it makes the team worse. Like, you might play differently. You have different players, especially in those attacking areas, but it doesn't make them a worse team. And I think that works really well in terms of, firstly, like, as you said, for a specific opposition, you can pick specific players for certain roles. And then the other thing is off the bench, we just have so much more depth than... Pretty much every team we've come up against, I think. Yeah. Like, and again, like you're looking at this Denmark game, if he wants to go with something different, he's got the players to do that. And I think that's the biggest thing that's impressed me about him. Because one of the doubts I had about Southgate from the last World Cup was, I think, you know, he, did, he has a much better squad than he did then. But the thing I didn't like is in a couple of those games, the Colombia game as it went on, and obviously the Croatia game, he didn't change things when the, the tide turned. And I think the big mm-hmm. thing I've liked from him is that he's been adaptable, firstly, with as, as we've kind of discussed his lineups, but also 
when games have sort of started to get away from England a little bit, his willingness to make changes has been crucial in a couple of those games. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I think going to a 4-2-3-1, you know, in this game was was a great call. Um, and I, I, I certainly expect him to do a similar sort of thing in the, in the semi-final, whatever he thinks will be best. I think we'll see changes, put it that way. The Oh, sorry. Oh, it's just gonna it, it, just quick bit. If Seth goes on to win it, I think the only criticism you could you could put to him re- realistically is that they they haven't won games more convincingly. But but you say it, that just just to... it was more. But it's more out of choice for Southgate. Just yeah. so... like take taking what he's what he's got. But like that's what I'm saying. It's not really a criticism. No, I, I, that... no, I get it. Not to go all Bob Turner on you here. However. Mm-hmm. I saw a stat doing the round. England are the only team at the Euros that haven't lost the game on expected goals, which to me suggests a measure of control. And I know you can sort of say, look, the Germany game, like if Germany goes on the lot, it goes a bit differently. And also England, if you look at it, their conversion rate's the best of any team in the tournament. It's like 26%. But the England don't have a lot of shots, but the shots they do have are high quality chances. Like they play with quite a lot of solidity and control in their performances. So... Like, I get it. Like, we've won a few games by the odd goal. We nicked, nicked a late goal against Germany to make it two. This game was probably hmm. the first one we've won by a wide margin. But at the same time, like, all the games they've won, you'd probably say on the balance they deserve to win. So, yeah. Like... That's, that's, that's my point is, is that, like, it's more of a uh, praise than circuit. Like, yeah. the only criticism he, he'll have at the end of it if they win it and they carry on with this is that he's. These didn't like beat more teams by two 0 but it's it's his choice not to do that. He it's, literally, it's his. It's, it's his. Like it's like I want to win this game, and that's it. And like so, like he's like he he's just been brilliant. And like with all the shit he's had to put up with with, with for, from from the media and stuff, from like people like ourselves, like yeah, saying yeah. like di- different stuff. And like he's like just so focused on on what he needs to do and what he thinks best, and it's proven to be to be the right uh, decisions. One hundred percent. And also tactically, if you think about it, if if this tournament had gone wrong somewhere, if he maybe if Muller scores the chance and then England go on uh, or Germany go on to win, like let's say an extra time, one of the criticisms he might have been getting is he's changing things around too much. He's, yeah, uh, yeah. He's, tinkering he's giving the players a lot of stuff tactically to do but that's that right there the the fact that we haven't or england haven't lost a game uh, by uh, we england have lost a game by uh, uh, expected goals yet is uh, is yeah uh, you hit the nail on the head it's uh, it shows that england are controlling every game they play because they're adapting to what the opposition are present are presenting and have the flexibility and Frankly, the mentality to go—that's fine. We'll we'll change things around however we we see fit, and they're doing that excellently. So, yeah, yeah fair play. It, there's something... not there's not a lot of teams that are that flexible tactically. No, uh, and it's something he's acknowledged as well. I think he said after the last Germany game, like the direct quote was, "If it doesn't work, I'm dead." Like he knows that going into yeah. these games, he's taking risks, but to have the kind of conviction to go, well, no, this is what I think is best to do based on who we're playing. And you know we'll deal with the consequences later. Effectively, it, it takes. It, a, it's, it's, yeah, it's his answers to those sort of questions are really impressive. Like when he was asked about like the 
the missing the penalty like he was, he was like stuff like that I was like does this help if something like along the lines of you know you missed the penalty against Germany now you've won you know how does it feel and he was like you know he said the quote was like I um it won't change that you know I, I that was still hurt it was like it's just so matter of fact about it and just so upfront about it and like but uh, completely comfortable within that pressure and and that scenario uh, he's just he's really impressive uh, really a, jealous there's there's a lot of things he's spoken on which i've been really impressed with him uh not not just that like i think he mm. obviously like everyone's read the thing he he wrote before going into the tournament yeah. i thought it was like really heartfelt uh, i think he spoke well on the black lives matter stuff before the tournament obviously he said he spoke well on his personal experiences and and also like done it in a way that doesn't burden like the current players because obviously it's something he's been through and he's kind of making it clear to them that you know there's no need to feel that pressure just because you're managed by somebody that obviously experienced a loss and penalty shootout and was the villain effectively um i, I think he's conducted himself brilliantly and, and and everyone in this country would love to see him do well um, and... I'd like to see him do well personally. Yeah. Like, like that says it all, if, it? if 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 it wasn't if he wasn't associated with England, I would be like this guy, man. He's so likable. He's he, yeah, he comes across so well. And you see the little, I love the little flickers of moments whenever he he himself celebrates. He yeah. really goes for yeah, it, and then yeah. and then a second later, it's oh, okay. I, um, and I also think I think that composure, that confidence, and that conviction, and sort of being so sure of yourself, has also trickled down to the players. Like I, I look at Definitely. Shaw, and Shaw's got so uh, he's been asked so many questions about Jose Mourinho. I think they're all ridiculous. I don't know why he's being asked about no, Jose Mourinho. Like three years on, or two years on from like. Well, it's because yeah, yeah. Mourinho keeps talking. Keeps, about it him. doesn't reflect well bit. on Mourinho. The yeah. whole thing. No, the thing doesn't Mourinho reflect well come, on or off I the disagree pitch with that. I, I disagree with that. I think Mourinho's been asked about it on talks for over and over again. And I think the media like like to press things, but like where they think there's a story. But Jose's come he out. Made after the story, last game. He made it a story. He made it a story. Yeah, but he, he's come out of the last game and he said he's a fantastic performance. That's but he made it a story that... at Man United. Like I, I accept that he's right, going to yeah, get asked. I, I, I agree, but you can't you can't be asked that in three, like another, after three years at the Euros when this guy's got a completely different manager. If Solskjaer came out tomorrow and said Luke Shaw is a bad player, I understand asking that question. But anyway, even, even so, that, that's not my point. The point is, I think Luke Shaw's conducted himself in the same manner that that. Gareth Southgate has very professional he's answered the question he's saying look it was a while ago I don't really even care about it anymore he can say what he likes or whatever you know like uh, and I think every single interview that I've seen with an England player or even just the vibes around the squad and the social media presence and I think that's really important now in 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 this sort of age where social media is so important I I think that's um it's been handled really really well despite what seems to be a media trying to pull it, pull them down with you know leaking uh, lineups and thing, it? well, yeah. Well, really that, I want to know who in the FA is the leak. Yeah, like, like it is interesting, cause isn't it? Because like, because it's like it's like look the journal in my eyes, though it's a bit shit for England, but the journalist is doing his job. He's if got the, a big. If scoop. England didn't want it to get, who's out? the leak? If England didn't want it to get out, or like there was someone in the setup that was leaking stuff, it'd be pretty easy to find out who it was and and, and stop it happening. I think anyway. Like you, you just you just do a, what do you call it, Colleen Rooney, don't you? You you get a few <laughs> fake fake lineups. You know, or, you know Jack Grealish starting left back, yeah, uh, yeah, and then yeah. see who yeah. see you put it out there. 
Yeah, it's... But also... Yeah, go for it. The, the, um, well, we were talking about the media. Can I just put a disclaimer in there? The stories about Ryan Sterling and, and, and his growing up, those big, big headlines. Calvin Phillips at the start of the tournament, the story that came out about him. Can I just say, like, I don't understand English media and why this stuff is allowed, mm. if not, like, at all, if not just in the middle of the year. I was like, just stop it. Can, yeah. I, be, can I be a bit, a little bit controversial? Yeah, go I, uh, I, I've only read the headlines. I only saw the the like the the headlines of it but and everybody who's tr like looking at the he those headlines and make i don't have them to hand but whenever i read them i thought it was like it like it was the people were is putting it negatively as if it was the because it was like the daily mail and it was them talking about sterling again and i didn't read the article i literally i'm just going off the headlines but i think a lot of people were going off the headlines as well and to me it was quite the way they put it wasn't like they didn't put any negative words in it this time and it was more like to me it came across like more of a rags to riches story that they were uh, saying although they, they previously have been negative that's, that's, that's it, it, yeah, but that's i it. didn't read it's, the article so i can't really comment anymore yeah yeah it's but, but like it, even ago. even with calvin phillips i thought like I didn't know that. I actually find that interesting about his, his story. Though it's maybe intrusive, I find it interesting. And if it's told like a rags to riches story, again, I didn't read the article. I don't know how it was told. But if it's told in the right way, I don't think those stories are actually that bad. Um, that's just my, my take. Again, I haven't really done the research on that. But if if, like, if they were really negative and they, they bring up stuff that they shouldn't be brought up, that's fair enough. But if they're to if they're told in a good way, like a rags to riches story, and like you know, like done in a, yeah in a good way, I I don't really see the harm in them. I didn't really think that the headlines were actually that bad for for the, the one of them. It was like got about Sterling buying a house, and the headline was quite matter of fact. It was like he's went from this to this, and it was more like a rags to riches story. Like you see them, you see them all the time. Yeah, there was a couple that. That. In the past, there's been some horrific ones, yeah. but recently, I, I don't know if the. the oh, it, there you go. That's been... why it's very hard to expect good. Yeah. From, you know what I mean? Mm. No, it's questionable. It's questionable. Um, but you know, it sells stories like leaking the lineups, sells papers. Like I, I think it's more on the England side. Like, if they didn't want that coming out, it wouldn't be. Or at least if they were actively trying to prevent it, I think they could. Um. So clearly it's something that even if like they don't directly want happening, like they don't have a huge objection to it. Um but I don't know, like that's just my take on it. Um, yeah, it's 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 because it also they are really accurate. So it must yeah, be Yeah, someone... they're pretty much always right. They're pretty much always right. Yeah. Um, so clearly they're privy to something. Um that, that kind of gives them a good idea of what the team maybe is it's be. Gareth maybe he's not getting paid enough for the FA just <laughs> cheek, cheek, cheek. well I think they'll see he's, he's, he's confident he's cocky enough that ah, it doesn't matter if they know it even a week before we're yeah. still going to beat them yeah yeah no, absolutely um, kind of just before we move on from England um, like a quick preview of the semi-final because we spoke about De Denmark a little bit and Southgate's kind of um, tendency to make change and I don't specifically want to ask you guys about that, but like, what do you think England should look to do in this game against Denmark? I limit Joachim Myler. Yep. That's all. That's my only take on it. Just limit Joachim Myler. 
Uh, so I think you, you play five at the back. back. Yeah, yeah. Right, you play okay, five at okay. the back. You play Kyle Walker, Kieran Trippier. Um, you press high like you did against Germany. But you keep Sancho uh, in, but you you don't keep Sancho and you keep Saka in because uh, Myla is at the end of the day and inverted wing back and he drifts inside a lot. So you want Saka's kind of defensive ability to go along with the pressing. Um, and I think Saka in there will uh, will be crucial to limiting Myla's freedom in, in, in going forward as well. Yeah, I think that's quite an intelligent take on it. George, sorry, George, you sort of cut you off there. Yeah, I cut yeah, you off. Sorry. Um, a different point, I suppose. Uh, I think he's got a he's got to start Grealish in this game for me. Interesting. But that's is that uh, as part of a front three, or would you stay four at the back? Like, what yeah, you... I think for part of the front three. I think I'd go five at the back, uh, like Ali says, for defensive solidity. But then Grealish so on the left and me Sterling on the, on the right. right. Yeah, yeah, because I'm actually I'm actually really impressed by by Sterling's ability to actually uh, pick up the ball and drive across the the, the pitch and like n- not necessarily runs in behind as well he's, he's clearly a very technical but like yeah he's played on the right he's got a lot more to him than than i think people think um I, I, and also i uh, maybe this isn't what southgate thinks about but I, I think he does have a little bit the game ahead in mind mm. in the sense that i think mount needs to be rested and i think mount against either a spanish or an italian midfield uh, without the chelsea bias because i don't i don't think that's that's helpful at the minute i think i think he'd be incredibly useful and i don't think i don't think Grealish would be as, as useful against pressing against players like uh biscuit uh biscuits and, and and pedri and or equally um Jorginho and uh, uh, and whoever you know, Barella or um, yeah, God, I can't remember. Look, um yeah, uh, and I think Mount would be far more uh, useful in that game. Uh, apart from that, I mean, I, I weirdly not. I, I just trust Southgate. I mean, it's such a stark. Uh, He's been getting it right. Difference between yeah, from from now from the start of the. The um, tournament where I was, I was confused by the Rice and Philip thing, uh, and uh, and he's proved me wrong, and, he and has. you know all power to him. So whatever he chooses, I'm sure um, he he'll have put a lot of thought into. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, equally if he if he lined up with the same lineup, uh, I don't think it's a I don't I don't think a back four is is necessarily a, a nightmare. I don't think uh, obviously we do need to think about countering threats. I think but, if it's a back, but we're going to dominate the game, aren't we? We're going to yeah. dominate the game, so it's given a lot of respect to Denmark, and it's yeah, like almost too switching. much. Yeah, and it's like, it's like, is it too much, or or are they are they? Well, the question is, are they as good as Germany? And if the answer is yes, then you probably should switch, because that would be my thing as well. If you if you switch for Germany, you think Denmark are they as good as them? And arguably they are because the they're, they're a bit more more organised uh, uh, than Germany. Yeah. Um, been playing that way for a bit longer and f- a couple more players in form. So it also makes sense in terms of I think Germany played the same formation that um, Denmark does largely. So uh, and we matched them up with the three four two one or three four three whatever you want to call it. But um, it, it I mean it clearly worked. So it would actually kind of make sense to to do against uh, again against Denmark. Mm. Denmark are more organized team than Germany. Definitely, Germany have a better, uh, better quality to it than than Denmark do. Um, but you, as we've seen, tournament football, the organization is is what probably gives you an advantage more than 
necessarily yeah. player quality. You've seen France completely chaotic, highest quality in in the entire tournament. Catastrophic performance against Switzerland yeah, in the second half. Doesn't together. matter if you have if you have all those uh, star players and if you you're disorganized or you don't have a good balance to to your team, you won't get very far. And that no was kind team of the chemistry either. No team chemistry either. Uh, but with Germany, there is there is some chemistry. There just isn't mm. the the good tactical organization. Well, when, when you're playing Tony Kroos and uh, and Ilkay Gundogan in a midfield two, that is getting overrun. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like so much attacking quality, not necessarily enough defensive quality to protect their midfield. Um, but Denmark are much more organized. Their best threat going forward will be uh, w like their main source of attack will, will come from the left from Milan. England yeah. uh, should uh, look to limit that. Mm. And I think he will. I think it's difficult to argue that he'll pick a team. It's, it's going to be a really good um, midfield battle if they do match up uh, with uh, Delaney and, and Hoiberg. Yeah, uh, like they're, they're quite they're quite similar to the, to what England have. Um, yeah, both both more defensive well, and yeah, like... it should be a good battle. Uh, it, it could be decided in that battle of the game actually. Mm. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be really interesting. Um, let's move on, and I want to ask Fergal and George something. Uh, we'll move on to Italy, who had a very good win against Belgium. Article doing the rounds this morning from the Italian press that Jorginho could be in contention for the Ballon d'Or were it oh. to go on and win the Euros. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, lads. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I don't. I think if he wins it, I think it's fair enough. I think there's 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 what? lesser. I think there's lesser players that have been in in with the shout for the Ballon d'Or, and if you, but I, I'm saying he should be on the shortlist, but he shouldn't come anywhere close to it. Do you like the shortlist? The the shortlist is quite long, but I think he definitely should be on that. If you win the Euros and you win the Champions League and you're crucial to both teams, you definitely should be on that. Yeah. But he hasn't. He hasn't. He's just not a standout player. He's he's just a really solid team player, and and he's um watching him for Chelsea. I I I and and also watching him for Chelsea and also being frustrated by him. I do have a bias against him. Um, but yeah. uh, like uh, uh, like a, a slight bike because I really do appreciate what he does but I think he is quite limited um, yeah. and and like, I see that limitation but in like this is the best season of his career and an incredible um, uh, moment for him uh, if, if he can do it um, and look I'll be supporting Jorginho especially if they play England so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah look it's uh, I I I think it's only right that he should be on the shortlist for it. As they want to getting it, yeah. I don't think. To, yeah, I think he has like because it's well documented amongst me and a lot of my friends. I was very critical of him like pre Tuchel. I said they're not going to win anything with him in midfield. Like he just he's too limited, and I think they've Italy and Chelsea. I said this before. I think Italy are the most structured international team, and Chelsea are arguably the most structured. Uh, club team at the moment now it could all change next season but like for the last six months i think there's similarities in the way they line up um particularly yeah. in midfield it's all very compact the spaces between players are very small and i think as a result of that and the players around him as well and what they can do he doesn't get pulled out of position he doesn't his kind of lack of mobility doesn't really get exposed and i think he you've got to give him a bit of credit like he's obviously like he's adapted as a player he's kind of figured out what he can and can't do against certain opposition 
and you're just yeah. not seeing him getting pulled all over the place like he was under Lampard mm. and particularly in the he, first season. His two best traits are his are his passing, like just simple passing, like he's he's just really good at it, can do it very quickly, a couple a good couple a good first touch. Like we saw who did he skin? He skinned someone really well. Yeah, when he dragged it yeah. back. Yeah. Who was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, can't, um, I can't remember. It was a Thor. It wasn't Thorgan Hazard, was it? I'm not sure. It's um, from a corner. Anyway, he, yeah. he lovely we dragged back. Absolutely yeah. done him. Um, he has that in his locker, uh, and then he knows he can't actually dribble past the player unless <laughs> it's with like a feint or something like that, really quickly. But he, so he's really good at winning fouls. Like the amount of time that you think uh, 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 someone's got yeah. them, and you're there going, "There we go." He's Just ready to get the, the ball, ball. and him. Lack of physicality, yeah. and he's just smart. He's falls on the ball. Yeah, well, wins the penalty. Yeah, um, yeah the, the, it, it, it's a trait. Like it'll sound silly, but it's such a useful one. Like especially yeah. in your own third, in, in ability position, to literally yeah. just buy free kicks, fall on the ball, pick it up, foul, move on. It, he, I've seen him do that like countless times. He, um, he usually never loses the ball in in dangerous situations because of the two but, things um, you've mentioned: his passing and his ability yeah. to win fouls. Yeah, yeah, but, maybe. Yeah, suggestion didn't deserve such a big ground for me. You know, the Ballon d'Or, uh, because it, uh, like, like Fogel said, he's so limited in that he can only play one position and he can only play if if a team is playing where they need one pivot. He needs to be molly, like, molly yeah, a little bit. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't, you know, he's not an exceptional player and that he, he doesn't deserve to be praised for his role in teams. And perhaps... I guess the the reason why I scoffed was was because of his role, where it, it does go under the radar largely. Uh, like players like him and Xhaka. I just um, think it's very specialist. Get, yeah, it's very specialist. Yeah. But having said that, I still believe that that there's certain players in terms of like influence on teams. It, I don't well, I don't know really what the Ballon d'Or is actually supposed to be judged. That's on, the difficulty. I know it's, isn't it? like, it's that's the thing, like, what is it? In terms of like. To me, it should be influence, like players' influence on teams, yeah. and like their influence their, their... on a winning team. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I think I think you probably have to have like two trophies. Winning. Or... Yeah, I think. You yeah. Do. Really? I, 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 I think yeah. so. Oh, if without you look, a doubt. If you look back over history, the the well documented one for me as an Arsenal fan is obviously when Henri didn't win it and Nedved did, despite having like forty less goal contributions. That's what I'm saying. It, it shouldn't be. Like, it, it shouldn't be. But be like that. history will tell you. Okay. That is the criteria. Like you have to be successful. He was successful for, and, and that's also why Jorginho won't come anywhere near. Because well, if they won the Euros, he though. hasn't got any goal contributions. No, I suppose so. And that's so part of the, it. I, yeah. I guess is is he's a different position. Like I don't know how many defenders or defensive midfielders and that have won it. You know, in years gone by. Um, but and I just say, yeah, go for it. I. Okay, so when Jorginho, uh, when he when he said it there, I was baffled. But then I remembered that the Ballon d'Or list is like about thirty players long, and you yeah. forget the next day who's in it. Yeah, the Ballon d'Or in general is is such a I hate it. it, it <laughs> like what 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 kind of what are we talking about when we're saying oh they, these are the criteria? Ballon d'Or doesn't have criteria. Ballon d'Or is a popularity contest. At yeah. the end of the day, 
in you 2006. Need a footballing ability to, I mean, I mean, you need footballing ability, obviously, to win it. You won't it. get a, you won't get any old old, old punter from from somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it is a part of the contest, but it's it like, is. It, it, but it, that's what I mean. It's like it's like it's like goals, goals and assists, mainly goals, and then um, how many trophies have you won? And like how how front and center of, of those teams are you? That's why Modric won it. I I was I was didn't think Modric was exactly. was the best player at that World Cup. He wasn't Cup. the best player. No. And the um, the other thing is, can you really tell? Oh, this is the best player. Like Fabio Cannavaro in two thousand six. Is Fabio Cannavaro a better player than Ronaldinho and Zinedine Zidane? He yeah. isn't. Yeah. Is he the most it. valuable yeah. player to his teams that year? He is. The Ballon d'Or should be a most valuable player award. Trying to Americanize. Americanize. It's not. No, I I need to complete the point. I need to. No, no, we understand. It's much more quantifiable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much, much more quantifiable. You can, you can see, like, you can tell this is a more like this. This player contributed to his team more than any other, and. I'm not a fan of American sports, but most valuable player just makes sense because you can't say, oh, Canavar is better than Ronaldinho. Virgil van Dijk is better than Lionel Messi. That is, that's just not right when, no, it, when you kind of compare those. It, it's a polarizing debate. And, and I, I, so it was only meant to be like a two minute segment. Like, I'm sure this is a podcast yep. in itself. Uh, and, and <laughs> we'll I'll do one on. at the end of the year. But probably. like, I just thought it was interesting that that was coming out. And I think it kind of tells you like how much that Jorginho's career in the last six months, my goodness, the trajectory it's gone on. I mean, I know he was always kind of well thought of in Italy, but my God, he, yeah. yeah. He's proved a lot if, of if, if, if he, if he does win it, he owes, he owes, uh, Tuchel, mm. a, a couple of carrots 100%. of it anyway. 100%. Um, let's talk a bit about Italy. Um, very impressive again. I think that there was kind of a yeah. lot about this game that was typical of Italy. The, the two bastards at the back, especially, as I oh. like to call them. Oh, love them. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love them. Oh, they, they are... They just epitomise. Like, I think I have to say, like as football evolves, like there are very few defenders. I think like Giorgio Chiellini, especially left in the game. Yeah. yeah. My God, like he's a bastion of the sport. Like wow, I fucking you know, hate this... him. But uh, you... please, yeah, I, I actually don't because of like what he said about Tottenham. But like if England get to the final for <laughs> ninety minutes, he will fuck you off more than probably anyone like ever. But my God, like what a player. You know what it is about him as well. He, he, um, off the pitch, he, like you see him in interviews, he seems like such a gentleman. He's uh, like he comes across really well. I think he's got like a masters in 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 um, is it like business, business or something? Or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like really intelligent. He's, like, he's, on. Not, yeah. he's not like this like Scott like uh, yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. yeah bonehead like um, <laughs> what do you call it? knuckle dragger yeah. Or, 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 it, it, but like he plays like it. he's he's like defend 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 like classic Italian no nonsense. He's thirty six um, and he's still playing at like the high like someone made the comparison the other day like if you look at defenders like his age of like his ilk. Very few yeah. have been as good as him at this age. At 36, he's still bossing it at the Euros at the highest level. As far as I know, he had a little lull in like the last couple of years. Because yeah. I, I remember he was always talked about highly. And it's probably it's probably um, coincided with Juventus's lull as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Because because they had that three Bonucci, Barzagli, and Chiellini back three that was so good for them, and it and it um like Bonucci it went off, off for a bit, didn't he? Went to like yeah, but, yeah, yeah, and he, he came back pretty years. much straight away. Yeah. So, but like Chiellini, he's he's been at the top for such a long time now, Mad and he's that. just like he's he, like, it's great to see him like like a classic Italian top class player. He peaks at age thirty six, potentially winning a, a, a trophy for for his country. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, can I just say, speaking of Kalin Vinicius Rosali, probably the most disappointing tactical move of all time I've ever seen, and uh, you know how I feel towards Real Madrid, not particularly highly. Uh, remember the Champions League final in twenty seventeen, the one that was played in Wales, um, mm-hmm. when Juventus went to a four four two with Berzagli on the right. That was so disappointing because Juventus that year had the three best center backs in the world and mm. he played one of them at right back and um uh, who was it the manager um i can't remember his name allegri max allegri yeah. yeah yeah max allegri he played barzagli at right back it was so bizarre and uh, just cost him 4-1 yeah it was so disappointing. but, but yeah I, man on those three i just kind of want to because there's a tactical element of this game i want to get into after is it part of the Italian uh, national team like initiation for those three to just like pull you into the dressing room and just grill you and fill you in on the dark arts of playing for Italy? Because I swear to God, every fucker that plays for oh, them man. is clued up on every fucking trick that you can pull. And I'm not trying to like stere- um, stereotype here, but my goodness... Like it's an art form though. Like we're ta- yeah. talking about it's navy, dark arts but like, of, like the highest order though, isn't it? Like it, yeah. it's it is truly it's, I mean, it's beautiful to watch. And you know what they do? They celebrate it as well. They, they killed they that really, game. last thirty minutes of that game. Not just like obviously they kept the ball brilliantly, but like every time like Belgium tried to get something going, they'd win a foul, like kill the game for a few minutes. I mean, it's just. It was an absolute masterclass in how to see a game of football out. It was the the way they harassed the referees is just beautiful with the hands, the the, the proper Italian hands, like 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 no one else does that better. Like 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 I I be if I if I was the ref and I saw those hands, I'd be like, oh, I must have done something wrong. I'll take that yellow card back. Like it 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 it, it, it it's it's beautiful. The, I, I love Italy, man. I, I love because you have you have the beautiful sides. You have like the Baggios, the Pirlos, and then you have have the Chiellinis of the world. Mm. They're, they're lovely. And the, and they're the lo- lovely. And, and and as you said, yeah, even even the good players know yeah. how to do do the shithousery. My goodness, yeah. that image of Immobile after uh, the first goal they score, he's just rolling around oh, on the ground, the ball goes in, and then he just so jumps much. straight back up. I hate it. I Man. Hate it. But you, you, it maybe brings into question, like, do I, I, I do actually like the dark arts. I don't think it is cheating, but it does bring oh. into question, yeah. You're a Chelsea fan, like, after all. Yeah, but, but, but it does bring into question, like, how, how should a referee, like, should they be a bit, I think referees need to be a bit harsher on it. I, I really do. I, th- I think they've got to book more pe- uh, people more. Uh, maybe like a rule change. Yeah, immobile definitely slightly. should have been booked for what he did. Because like... Uh, like, I, I do love it. Look, I get it. Like, it, it, winning fouls is part of the game. Like, yeah. Sorry, committing fouls is part of the game as well. Yeah. Rolling about 
uh, you, I, I do think not, it's yeah, not game, I think like, you can draw the line I think there is like a point yeah. at which it becomes almost laughable like the, the stuff I mentioned before like the winning the fouls and like breaking up like phases of the game with time wasting whatever like that is just part of the game I, I don't think that rolling around on the ground trying to win a penalty and then jumping straight back up when you score falls into the same category like I, I look People will find it bloody hilarious, but like if a penalty is given there, it's unacceptable in my opinion. Like it's just cheating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, having said that, that they they were fantastic in this game. Um, like mm. an in, an interesting part of their setup, and Ali sort of talked about it earlier with with uh, Denmark and Myler at left back for them. Uh, Spinozola has been unbelievable. Um, suffered a really bad injury, so obviously like best wishes to him, but. It kind of brings up a separate debate, which is the uh, usefulness and kind of strengths of inverted wing-backs. And I kind of want to quickly get into it because it's something I've been quite down on. But Ali, you you haven't taken the same view in in the past, so maybe you feel vindicated here. Uh, Yeah, in the podcast that never was, you uh, kind of mentioned that you you don't really like the idea. And you mentioned it a few other podcasts before when Trippier did it against Croatia. Yeah, Um, you've definitely booed it before, I think. Yeah, it yeah. was, it it was Very like good. the kind of the tactical highlight. <laughs> ha, the uh, tactical highlight of the tournament as a whole, I think, was has been the use of inverted wing backs. Uh, you've seen it with Spinazzolo, who's probably like the left back of the tournament. If you're putting a, a, the the best eleven from the Euros, Spinazzolo is probably there at left back, and he's a right footer. He's yeah. he's. Does he's not even very two footed? Myla is in contention, probably second place left back, uh, maybe with Shaw. Um, and then no, and how he does, have... he, he could push on as well. Yeah, that's that's the main strength. It's up of for grabs. Is... Go on, no, it's, I was just gonna say, like, it's up for grabs, like, between like probably whoever wins the semi final will probably, uh, or probably which if it's Denmark, England, or or um, or Italy. Whichever le- whichever one wins will probably get that left back slot in the in the team of the tournament. Not that it's a big deal, but yeah, it's probably yeah. between those players. Mm. Yeah, it is. And uh, what they offer, and particularly last game against uh, against Belgium in that game, what we saw was a lot of diagonal runs from the left into the penalty area, and he did it a few times against Austria too. But it, like it was just nearly on, and. That was one of the things that, it, like, when you have those late runs, because you're not overlapping, you're underlapping, and that's quite an unexpected move for a left back when yeah. they do those diagonal runs into penalty area. And you know how much I love third man runs, and that's there another source there of third man runs that I didn't expect. But the other thing is, a lot of his touches are much further high up the pitch. Much, much further high up the pitch. And he's getting into the area, getting into the byline as well and, and uh, making crosses in. So there is a lot of uses to it. I'm just wondering why we haven't seen a lot of it. Like It's just interesting that we haven't seen any inverted right-backs. Um, but Spinazzola, just outstanding. And uh, when you have him overlapping and then Insignia dropping in uh, and then both of them kind of combining it's uh it, it's it's a very pleasing it's very pleasing on the eye and uh it's certainly successful yeah you can't argue with it like they've been very good doing it especially in this game um just to kind of talk about belgium a bit 
it's difficult to feel like they haven't wasted. And maybe, like, I, I, I do think kind of it's been over-inflated, maybe the quality of this particular squad. But certainly, like, over the last, like, 10 years, last three or four tournaments, it feels like th- this is as good a squad as you're going to see for for some, like, probably probably the best in their, one of the best in their history. Certainly, yeah. like, if you look at everything yeah. that's come before. Um, the thing is, they've always been. They've always had a weak area in their team. Like, like it, yeah. it was usually like left back or or something like that. Um, and like obviously, it's like for Belgium, this is like yeah, the deepest and best squad that they're probably ever gonna have. As you said, not necessarily this one, maybe the World Cup one. Yeah. Um, and like the number of world class players they have as well. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible for the size of the country. Clearly, just like a well run youth. And because they're continuing to to bring out youth players, maybe not to the same. It, it, this will it does seem to be a golden generation, but like, it, yeah, it do, it does feel like a missed opportunity to get something, even a nations league, something like that. Just get yeah. just get a trophy, Win something. It's not... Strangely enough, it as as much as there are like very much weak points of of this Belgium squad, even now, yeah. you, you sort of maybe noticeably like centre back position. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. I genuinely, I, I think it's the players that that perhaps have the biggest reputation that that have let the team down largely. Like, well, one player in particular, Kevin De Bruyne. I I, I don't want to let the team hound down. Him. I don't want to hound him, but he did. Yeah, like he's, I I can't believe his stats in 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 this um, in the Italy game. Genuinely, he, he lost the ball twenty five times. I think the most most on the Belgium squad. I know he's got a lot of touches, but he's also got pass accuracy of fifty nine percent. It's not good. Like that's terrible. And he was the same against yeah. Chelsea in the in the um, Champions League final. He just didn't turn up. Like it, there's something about him that just it, it's almost like he doesn't. He's a bit timid. He doesn't really feel like he's literally the antithesis of this. Oh, I've got to Italy, counter this. I'm sorry. Italy team where he <laughs> he doesn't really get fired up apart from when he needs to talk to referees. Let me talk. Let me talk. Um, let me talk. Let, let, me, let talk. me talk, mate. Yeah. I just want to just throw something in there. Um, De Bruyne was injured. Um, now, now you can kind of draw the line on whether yeah. you think he should have then played, and it's you know selfish from him to put himself in contention. But De Bruyne had an injury in this game. So I think it's a bit harsh to suggest that he bottled it. Um, he, he he was clearly like physically um, handicapped. Um, now I'm not sure where I stand on if he's injured, should he play? Because he is their best player. Like he's world-class. There's no doubt. Yeah, no, they look like it's their best player. But, but even so, I think that the point is that you're right here. He, he, it, Yes, maybe start him because you feel like you might need him. But take him off. Roberto Martinez deserves a lot of criticism yeah. here. Yeah. He brought on Chadley. Um, uh, he brought on I, I was, I was he brought on Pratt. And he, he brought on Dries Mertens for Yuri Tielemans, who I thought had a pretty good Yeah, why did he take me off? Game. Why? why didn't he take De Bruyne off? Why not take De Bruyne off for, for Mertens, where exactly De Bruyne is naturally, naturally a, 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 yeah, a, a more forward player? It just doesn't. Roberto Martinez deserves a lot of criticism for this for this Belgium loss. Mm. And, and that's kind of another like topic of this, is that you feel like this golden generation has been wasted on two pretty... like I think Wil, Wilmots was even worse than Martinez, but like yeah. two pretty average managers at best. 
That was the thing for Belgium, isn't it? It's just like they they haven't got a massive budget that they can go out and sign anyone big, and and it's it's it, it's unlucky. Ali, you want to say something? I uh, I want to rant, so you finish your point, and then I'm. Should, should no, we no, let George go I'll before finish. you rant? At the, like behind his back. What have you given the right to defend himself? Cool. Um, not I not to defend himself, but for Kevin De Bruyne to play with torn ankle ligaments yeah. yeah so i've i've studied um kinesiology there's a lot of medical focus in in this degree a lot of focus on athletic injuries and recovery and the importance of staying fit playing when fit and things like that the mentality of oh i'll, I'll do everything i can to play regardless of my fitness i'll just take a, a jab or like an anti-inflammatory whatever is depressing at this point like a lot of those players playing with ankle ligaments is is it's just wrong it might have catastrophic events uh, catastrophic um sorry kind of ramifications because of an injury that hasn't recovered what that does is one slows recovery down two increases risk of playing with it again there is a reason why players should wait until full recovery in, in order to play again, because if they wait until full recovery, while it will be more susceptible to injury, of course, because it's just the nature of the body, you, you have much less risk than playing with it torn. It mm. is a torn ligament. So obviously you're not going to produce your best performance as Kevin DeBroyer De Bruyne near, very clearly didn't, but second of all, you're increasing the risk on yourself from getting that injury. Uh, surely, again. surely, 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 the medical team have assessed him though, like to a point where, it, yeah. to a point where he's not risking his future career. Like, sure, and and if they if they they've obviously recommended something, they would put that in, and there deserves to be a, a level of individual responsibility and also responsibility it, of the manager i think you'd be surprised i think you'd be surprised the risk that would be taken if there's a european championship on the line i was gonna say yeah. uh, ali in, in your opinion um like who is it the medical team the coaches is it devoid himself like where does kind of accountability lie for like this particular instance like obviously we're not privy to the details but like you, you talk about Sports people are always going to want to play. Like that's the mentality, and like, is that something? Let me that... play. <laughs> Let me play. But is that something that's as a result of, you know, how far teams and 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 coaches etc. Like want to push players to 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 get wins and win tournaments etc. Or is it just these players like they they only have one career and they're the ones that push to play? Like, where, where do you think it falls? It's difficult to deal with psychologically with the players. Um, but what I'll say is, in the World Cup in 2018, there was, and it's kind of forgotten somehow, I don't understand why, but there are multiple players that played with concussions. There was a, um, I think it was Sofian Amrabat for Morocco. He got concussed in the first game. And uh, the medical team just chucked a bunch of water in his face and wrapped him up like with bandages on his head and then he carried on he wasn't mm. bleeding but he was concussed and then next game he's wearing a headband on that's not standard medical procedure for a concussion 
And then in the World Cup semifinal with France, who will arguably have a more advanced medical team um, and, you know, medical resources and, and, uh, and such. Blazement Tweedy played with a concussion. He got concussed in a challenge, uh, fell over, um, and then got his test wrapped up in a few minutes and then went on to play uh, until he was subbed off. Or I think he might have played for the the rest of the game, certainly most of it. So medical teams are probably, I don't know, if I, I, it's very hard to I think it's a difference kind of between conco maybe. concussion and... Yeah, the, the, the concussion. But my point because is... A concussion will affect your, your, your own decision-making. So that that needs to be taken out of the player's hands. But but it it, it, it how, how you be, is... you'll be able to tell me though the, uh, about this. But Ian Wright doesn't he have like a fused foot or something like that? He, he had so many injections yeah. playing for yeah, for for yeah for Arsenal. But if you ask if you ask him, would you would you rather have a better working foot or or you know take away the hundred less appearances you, or whatever the fuck? Yeah, like yeah. I, I, you I, know I totally the answer agree. that Ryan Wright's going to give you. It's, and that's why I think it's a difficult one. Sorry, I know George has to go, so we'll quickly sort of sign him up. George, pleasure as always, mate. Thanks for coming on. Always. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, cool. I'll see you next time. Cheers, mate. See you in a bit. Um, yeah. I, think it's, I think the point on concussion is a really good one. I think we've seen instances of players. I think there was, there was one this season, obviously, with Arsenal, with David Luiz and Raul Jimenez, where Luiz went back on for about 15 minutes and it was like, what the fuck yeah, are they doing? Like, strange. take the decision out of his hands. There was one with, I think, Vertonghen in the Champions League a couple of seasons ago and he just, like, collapsed about 10 minutes later. Like, yeah. concussion, I think you're absolutely right. I think it falls on the medical team to make a call and take it out of the players' hands because of what you've said. Like, they're not, they're not at that time... They literally they, don't know what's they don't happening, have the like, and they don't know... To yeah, and, it, and it's so and like it literally rationally. should be if you get if you get another if you get another hit that could be that actually you brain damage 100%. not like you can, you can't maybe walk right but that's you done hundred percent yeah but why I brought up concussion is if concussion concussion is having like it does have its dangers and probably like life threatening dangers if you yeah. carry on playing with a concussion then that's scientifically proven but why I brought up con the concussion examples is. I think medical teams need to start, you know, making the players understand on the long term or like just in meetings preseason or things like that, that if if there is an injury that you feel you can play uh, play on with or get an injection or and, and just carry on, the medical team will have to start taking the decision out of the player's hands again. Yeah. Because... The the long term the consequences of that again on the team, the that player is not producing the best performance for them. They're probably going to waste a sub or waste many many minutes where another player could have come on and made a much better impact because they're just physically able to play more or mm. better. Um, so it it needs to start to happen then the oh, medical teams. I, 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 Ali, I, I also I honestly, think my my I like without having any great inside knowledge on this really, but I'd imagine that it is 
it is done. I'd imagine that like it is explained like what the injury is, and they'll take but, risks. You, but you cannot start these guys. And, and also, what I was going to ask, until sorry, until like the power is literally put into the medical people's hands, like exactly. they are the top. It's dogs, exactly that. It's not going to happen. Then you look at it right. The medical team, no doubt, most of the time will give the relevant information. Like if they play, these are the risks. If they're not, they're not doing their job. I think then you've got players, which you mentioned, but also managers. Like, you've managers. seen it over and over again, Spurs with Harry Kane. Harry Kane's got a dodgy ankle, might even have two dodgy ankles, but they keep bringing him back. They don't get him to have the surgery. because I've he- heard the opposite, uh, that it's, that that's down to Harry Kane and his contract. Might and be Kane. And, and he, he needs the appearances to boost his contracts and the way it's structured. It, it might be him. The, the point is the decision keeps getting taken out of the medical yeah. team's hands. I think it's a good yeah. example of where you can see potentially kind of the hierarchy of this all, which is the medical team obviously will inform, but then they don't have the influence to go, yeah, he's not playing. Like He's out for three months. He's having surgery. Like They, they can't do that. They can't put him on an operating chair and go, yeah, he's he's off, you know? Um, and I... It's, my, my personal uh, opinion is that unless it's like unless it's life threatening or massively life changing, like like we're talking brain damage or, or paralysation, I think it's down. I think it's down to the player, and you know, I think I think most players that have injuries that affect their career, like or the rest of their life, like Ian Wright, I think the majority of them wouldn't change what what they've done to their bodies for what they've achieved. Yeah. Uh... I, I kind of disagree. I think more power needs to be put in, in the medical team's hands because mm. the risks of early retirement even can can be there. I think that's something that so. will be explained to them, though. I'd be, I'd be really surprised if... Yeah, I'd be surprised. Well, if De Bruyne has got damaged ligaments like you're talking about, right? I'd be shocked if, firstly, that isn't discovered, which it will have been, as, as, as we kind of found out. And I'd be shocked if they haven't sat him down and said to him, look... We understand that like international tournaments don't come about very often. You're in a good position that you could go on to win it. However, these are the risks if you play. I think they'll have run him through them. And then I, I think, I, think, yeah. I think imagine it's standard procedure that they have to do they it and they've explained that. to the manager. And I think after all that, the medical team leave, the manager and the player are there and he goes, making the decision. do you want to play? Yeah. And, the, and then that's that. You've heard all that. It's up to, I, I think it... I think for, I, I think I kind I understand all you're saying, Ali. Like you want to. I think players are overworked, overburdened. I, I completely. I saw something you retweeted earlier. Like I totally agree with it. Yeah, However, yeah. in this scenario, De Bruyne wanted to play. Like there's no doubt he wanted to play, and it's difficult to say to him, "Yeah, but you don't know what's best for you." You know that that's the difficulty you've got of what you're saying. Um, and and yeah, this is life threatening. I I I I think I think it has to be. Is if you want to protect the players, I think the only way to do it is is to take games from their calendar. But you can't prevent players from from playing games that they they want to play and 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 they are able to play, even though they might have these knocks. Like like Kevin De Bruyne was running about like it's it, it wasn't. It might. I understand it's like the stress and all that, and it, especially on ligaments. But it's, I don't know. It's it's, it's uh, whatever whoever is is responsible, whatever is happening. That's uh, something that I, nobody of us know. No, um, that's what I'm. Um, the, the general point that I ultimately wanted to get to is, uh, like there is there is a lot of, there are too many injured players playing, um, and they play too many times injured, and that's just not right for me. 
That's fair enough. I, I, I think the solution that we're probably all in agreement is just to have less games, and then that would allow for, yeah. for more. You wouldn't have to always play through injury. You might have to play through it sometimes for, for, for big games, but that would be it instead of always having to play through injury for, you know, Burnley midweek, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I think it's really interesting. Champions League 2024, eh? Yeah, I um I think it's a really interesting debate. It, I, I don't think it was one we anticipated talking about, but like no. th- th- there's a lot to unpack in that. I think that's like a really, it's really interesting. Um, I, I kind of just quickly go on, like bring this to a close. We've been going for 75 minutes now. Um, Italy were really impressive. Um, Spain, who we haven't even mentioned there, who they're going to play in the semi-final. So, you know, just to get you guys' predictions quickly, like how do you see that one panning up? I think um I think Italy should go through without much yeah. problems. For on Spain though, I saw a stat where Pedri was uh, Pedri, 18-year-old Pedri was the player that ran the most uh, covered the most distance in the entire tournament. And uh yeah, that's there incredible. Are a couple things here. He's he's, ra- he's, he's ran the most. He's ran the most. Yeah, I saw that stat. I saw Calvin today. Phillips had that stat. Uh, that it was covered the most a- distance. That was today the post I saw. Anyway, he's uh, definitely among the the, the greatest distance. The, the point remains the same. And yeah, uh, yeah and uh, uh, probably why Fergal is because he played 120 minutes against uh, or 100 and kind of 16ish minutes against Switzerland. Oh. Um, but the other thing is he's going to the Olympics as well, which kind of baffles me. Like, surely the guy needs rest. So like yeah. give give them give the guy a bit of a rest. Young. Give him a summer. <laughs> give the boy a rest. <laughs> you have yeah. to be careful with young players. This is the big debate that we're after having eyes young. You let, let him crack on. <laughs> let him crack on. Yeah, but you need to be careful. Uh, it's funny again, we're talking about yeah. player welfare. You need to be careful with young players, Massively. right? Um but yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, in fairness. Um, but yeah, Italy should ha- shouldn't have a problem really. They play at a much higher pace than Spain, much, much higher pace. Completely mm. capable of uh, overrunning Spain's the better midfield. defenders um, and, and, and forwards that take chances, and I think that would be the difference. Um, I, I I could see I see it going kind of similar to the Belgian game, except I go two 0 this time instead of two one. So Sp- Spain are the top scorers. In, I mean, I know they went like they went bloody crazy in two games and scored five in each, but it's mad to think they're top scorers in this tournament. Um, I, I agree with you guys. I think Italy just shape up better they're a team i think that get more than the sum of its parts and its parts are very good so they're bloody tough to beat is basically what that means um spain could do it i mean they've good they've got enough to win the game but i think it's going to be mighty difficult i think they have to be on top form to have a chance so it's kind of hard to predict against italy um yeah i see Italy going through and also, it's. Uh, I think it will be. Uh, it will be certainly much less difficult for Italy to shut down Spain than it was for the likes of uh, Slovakia and Croatia, both of who uh, allowed five against Spain. Yeah. Because of their defensive organization, and because Slovakia and Croatia's defenses are just rubbish, like they're just very bad. And if you have a, a team playing against you that's pop that's gonna pop the ball around so much like spain did very very well against those two sides mm-hmm. um, but if you're just keeping your discipline and keeping the spaces as tight as possible and limiting spain to kind of sideway passes and forcing them to play out wide should be 
very easy, really, given the quality of it. It'll uh, be Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is the, the Spinozola thing. Emerson's going to come in for him. And yeah. Emerson's, Emerson's a player that he's, like, I think a lot of people probably don't rate him because they haven't seen much of him. I've always I've always liked him whenever he's played for Chelsea. Chelsea he's won just, him out, he's a, don't they? Well, yeah. Uh, pro- they probably do. Um, I, probably because we can still get good money for him. Mm. Emerson is a, is a good player, probably questionable defensively, but yeah. in terms of replacing Spinozola going, for, going forward, he probably will be all right. Yeah. And um, yeah, like Chelsea played him as left winger at times this season in the little cameos he's got. So I, I, th- I think he is an adequate replacement. I wouldn't be too worried about, about Spinozola actually missing out. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and then uh, the, what's the next game then? <laughs> <laughs> what what is the next? What game? is the next game? Have you just well, we we have you haven't given us your score prediction, Harry. For, oh, for I, I think it's the win, one nil. Um, Eng- nil quick for prediction for the England game. What do you think? Uh, oh, uh, hmm, three one. Oh, we're conceding. No. Yeah, I think Denmark will be, will be the first I, uh, team yeah. to breach. If I'm England's being realistic, goal. yeah, it's hard. Uh, two to nil them. down. It's hard to see them not scoring because they have. Been pretty good. Um, Fogel. Was that your prediction? That's my prediction, Fogel. <laughs> yeah, um, Fogel is the prediction. I think. I think if Denmark. Sco- I think. If uh, he's trying to convince I himself, this is this is lovely to watch. You know what it is. Like, Fogel, you know can you find is. any? Can you find any cracks within the England team? Yeah, kind of can. I do have a couple of cracks. It? Okay. Pickford cool. looked has looked dodgy for the first Did, time. Yeah. There's two saves he'd done. The first the first one it was like at the near post and he'd done a really weird Fumbled near post it. save where yeah. where he dived for it and his arms like underneath his body. I'm pretty sure it's not the right technique. Yeah, it's not the right technique though, and it looked dodgy. Um I the, think it was deliberate. He wanted to push it off for a corner and he did so. It looked, if you watch it back, Ali, you can't tell me that it was normal. Okay. But I'll watch anyway, it back. I'll see. Then, he had, then he had the miss kick. <laughs> then he had yeah, that punch enough. where he jumped for it, even though it was at chest height. Um, and and those those little cracks, little cracks. Then at, at right back, we have we have Kyle Walker again. Little cracks, a couple of mistakes. And Myla, who we've uh, waxed lyrical about. He's he's going to be on that side. Mm-hmm. Along with that, they've got a strong midfield. Again, it's going to be a really good battle that if they, if they match up, especially. They're a solid team. They're going to be strong in, in set pieces. So that should hopefully negate England. I think it's going to be tight. I still... I, I, I do expect England to win. But with this Denmark team... I do feel like they do have a serious chance, and Dolberg's come into a bit of form as well, uh, out of nowhere. So yeah. I'm gonna go if they win it. I think they win it two one. And if England win it, I think they're gonna win it two nil. Give us one prediction for a goal. Which side so, wins? Oh, I'm gonna go Denmark. I can't be supporting England. <laughs> two one Denmark. Uh, well, prediction is not support, but. Yeah, what one I wishes still... will happen and what one thinks will happen and not necessarily the same thing. Um, Go with your mind. Go with your mind. Yeah, man. I'm going England 2-1. Well. 
England 2-1. Two, one. Two, one. Two, one. Wow. I think I think if England win, they won't concede. Oh, I don't know. I can see it being... I can, I can actually see England conceding first in this and having to sort of come from behind. I do think it'll be mighty difficult, having been at Wembley and, and obviously in the botched recording, I explained to you guys, like, the atmosphere there was... It was raucous, to say the least. Like, it's going to be difficult for any team, I think, to withstand that. I think if there is any team that can do it, it's Italy in the final. Um... I, I just think it might be a step too far for Denmark, but I, I can see them, you know, starting the game well. Um, that's my prediction. I think two one. All right, lovely three one for me. That lovely. is it. That is it, gentlemen. Thank you as ever. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to preview the final between England and Italy myself. <laughs> I won't be. Vogel uh, <laughs> might be missing in action after this. Um, We'll see, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Uh, thank you as ever for tuning in. Uh, yeah, plenty of good content coming your way, and it's bloody coming home. We'll see you on the next one. Cheers.